What does it mean to be backed by Morse? It means you get the vehicle you want. And now, with new inventory arriving daily, getting the vehicle you want is easier than ever. Every Ed Morse lot is stocked. And if you can't find the vehicle you're looking for, the helpful Ed Morse team will track it down for you. Or they'll be with you every step of the way to pre-order your new vehicle and customize it just the way you like it. When it came to their tagline, the Ed Morse Automotive Group could have said anything, but they went with Backed by Morse. They want their customers to know that when they buy from Ed Morse, they are backed by Ed Morse. New vehicles are backed by Morse with a price protection promise, and all used vehicles are backed by Morse with thorough inspections and warranties. Even your service is backed by Morse with the price match guarantee. So make this year the year you get backed by Morse. Shop an amazing selection of vehicles all backed by Morse. Find a location nearest you and go to edmorse.com today. But remember, you're only backed by Morse when you buy from Morse. It's a new era, games fans. Welcome to the journey back to the top. It's touchdown, Miami. This is the Force Up Podcast. Here's Marsh and Jordan. They're making it look easy. What up, what up, what up, Canes fans? It is the Forza Podcast. It is Tuesday, August 23rd. We're 11 days away from kickoff. Can barely handle myself. I'm all tingly inside. Jordan, how are we? check. And check, Marsh. And check. And check. <laughs> and check. I got the jazz hands going. I'm just very excited. Spent all day writing articles and getting myself all prepared for the Canes. How are we, how you doing, Jordan? Doing good, man. We're yeah. still busy, um, but I'm getting pumped for college football. I think I've told just about every single person that I know in the last few days. I'm like, you know, there is football every single week until February now. Yeah. <laughs> and people are like, it's, I don't care. <laughs> I, I don't know when the first games are played. I think, like, some games are played this Thursday. Like, that's when it, like, starts yeah. or something. So I know that, like – uh, Florida State and North Carolina both play this Saturday. Oh, yeah. Um, FSU plays this week against yep. Duchesne, Duquesne. Yeah, I don't know. Duchesne, I, I don't know. Okay. They might right. lose, though. <laughs> yeah, it's football. Big, big upset game. watch. Big game for Florida State. Upset watch. Let's see if the Knolls can pull it off. But, yes. Um, yeah, it's here, man. It's here. It's, it, it seems like the offseason, well, no, it was a very long-ass offseason. Let's not kid ourselves. I feel like it's been years since Danny Miaz was our head coach. But um, yeah. before we get into everything, you want to talk to him about uh, our boy, A.B.? Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually all swagged out right now. Um, I Eventually, I think this is going to be a video podcast. Um, but if you guys could see more of my About the Fans hat, I'm wearing some of our fours up swag. I'm wearing a cool t-shirt and uh, got myself a nice tumbler with me full of Mountain Dew. It looks awesome. It looks yep. awesome. Our boy but, AB does an incredible, incredible job. Yep. And, uh, you know, we'd appreciate, you know, anyone who uh, supports us buys some fours up merch. That'd be awesome. So go to about the fans. We got four different t-shirt designs. Um, you know, we got a hat now that is uh Fours Up sponsored. Yes. So uh, AB texted us a new hat yesterday. Yes. It so, looks very that's a Marsh hat right there. That is. It is very beautiful, sexy it is, even. It is very nice. But yes, if you love us, if you love the canes, but if you love us, 
Go buy some merch, damn it. Yeah. And if uh, if I see anyone wearing some Fours Up merch at the FSU tailgate on November 5th, um, I'll at least give you a hug. There might be more. I'll think of stuff. But you'll get a hug, a sweaty hug from Jordan. <laughs> you might get more from me. But um, <laughs> should we go, should we bring our our guest in right now? Frank, what's up, man? How much? Thanks for having me on, guys. Yep. So Absolutely. we are welcoming in Frank Tucker. You work for Rivals. Yeah, yeah, the MyMeetBatRivals.com so, site. That's more. That's more of a, a a recent move for you, right? Yeah, uh, July first. We actually okay. we started how the. You, uh, how are you liking it? How's uh, is this your first fall camp? Ah, uh, it is. It is. You know, I've, I've mostly been covering hurricane. I mean, uh, high school stuff. Not so much the hurricanes. Uh, so this is a, it's a different experience for sure, but um, yeah. I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it for sure. If you know Frank, you know he's been running the the Crib South Florida page for a while now. Um, I got a lot of my high school stats and everything off of that site, <laughs> for, off that Instagram page for a long time. But I do want to before we jump into Green Tree, get into fall camp things like that. I want to ask you just a quick recruiting update. Is Samson going to be a hurricane? From everything that I've heard, Samson's pretty much a lock. Um, I, I think he wants to see Miami win a little bit during the year. So hopefully no slip ups. Yeah. I, I think really this next wave of recruits is going to be all dependent on how this season goes. It's going to be a lot of, does Miami go nine and three, 10 and two type thing. And if that happens, then I think they'll be okay. But if, if seven and seven and five, eight and four is, is the final result, we might be in a little bit of trouble with some of the, you know, high end four stars and, and five stars of the class. Whenever, whenever a recruit a recruit says, "I do, I want to see Miami win," that's like the kiss of death in the last <laughs> few years. Well, <laughs> the one thing that's changed is you got you got Coach Mario Cristobal in the fold now. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was going to say there's a very simple solution to fixing that kiss of death, and it's winning some football games. Yeah, we we just haven't been able to to do that in the past, but. Okay, this has been on everyone's mind, especially since uh, reports came out from the second scrimmage. Frank, what what's going on with the receivers? Are, and are Canes fans overreacting? I think they're overreacting a little bit. I, I do think that there needs to be a step up in the consistency of the receiver room. The first scrimmage was the first telltale sign that there's really no alpha in the room outside of Xavier Strepo. I think that they got to give Romello Brinson a little bit more of a chance. I think he needs to get more reps. Uh, I think Brashard Smith is going to be somebody that we see start stepping up at both running back and receiver. Uh, he, you know, Mario Cristobal actually made a comment about him on the Joe Rose show, I believe, yesterday. So there are some, ta- there is talent in the room. On, on my preview article on, on the Canes County website, you know, I talked about how much blue chip, blue chip talent is actually in the receiver room. It just hasn't lived up to the billing to this point. So I, I don't know if we have enough at receiver beyond Xavier Restrepo to really get to the the level as, as a passing attack that we want to, Canes fans-wise, but I think 3,600 yards passing is a really realistic expectation for TBD and, and the receivers. Okay. So you talked about Romilla Brinson. Is he just – do you think he's just not getting enough reps? And I also wanted to ask you about Michael Redding. Is there is there smoke there to him, like being an actual contributor this this season? He could be. I think he's probably one of those guys that is a little 
little bit of a consistent threat, I guess you could say. He he does the little things right, but he's just not explosive. Just watching him in drills, he he doesn't get in and out of his breaks the same way that the other guys do. He doesn't do anything special is is really what makes him behind the eight ball in, in a lot of different ways. I think Romello Brinson, in regards to his reps, I think he was behind just because of the shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. Now coming back, we're starting to see a little bit of that talent that really got Canes fans excited when he came to Miami. I think it's not going to come until two to three games into the season that we're really talking about him as that consistent guy in the receiver room. I think it's going to be more Jacoby George, Keyshawn Smith, and Xavier Estrepo, as well as the tight ends. Elijah Arroyo is the guy that you almost have to consider a receiver in this group just because he might be playing that Brevin Jordan role in a way this year. He's going to he's gonna break out, in my opinion. Okay. That's Interesting. good to hear. And, and this is no disrespect to this player, but when you're talking about uh, Michael Redding, kind of sounds like he's the offensive version of Corey Flagg. Very much a, a good comparison. He is. He, it's just, I don't know if it's injuries or what. Just every time he's in drills, he doesn't look as athletic or as explosive as the other guys. And he's good. But what we were talking about him coming out of IMG Academy as, as a guy that could contribute as a freshman. Yeah. And I feel like that's happens to us time and time again. Brian Hightower, uh, it, it's, you know, it's, it, it's another example of that we're, we're seeing – the receivers really not live up to the billing recruiting wise, but I think that's going to start to change. I, I like having coach Gaddis as the guy who's actually coaching the position group. That's going to, that's going to be a big factor in the success of the receiver room this year. Okay. Okay. So can I ask you about Keyshawn Smith? Um, you know, we, we've talked about him on this podcast uh, so far this off season in the sense that, He's kind of the only guy with like legitimate experience, you know, coming into this year. Like Jacoby George had some flashes last year, um, but really Keyshawn Smith is is the only guy that has been a part of a receiving rotation um, and gotten, you know, had a, put up numbers. Right? Uh, what are some reasonable expectations for him this season? Mike Harley last year, I think that's a good expectation for him. Harley did last year. I I don't think he's ever going to be that vertical threat that we thought he was going to be as like a four, three type receiver, but he's been a possession guy. He's been pretty consistent uh, being that 15 to 25 reception, you know, in between 15 to 25 yard reception type dude with some explosive ability in and out of his breaks. I think he's a really good football player. I don't know if he's going to going forward. I don't think that you can survive with Keyshawn Smith type receivers being your number two guy, maybe he's closer to number three or number four going forward. That's why getting guys like Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader and Chance Robinson and Ryan Wingo are all going to be very important going forward. So, yeah, um, back, uh, Kay, now that you mentioned it, Jeremiah and JoJo, do we just need to win? Uh, 100%. You got to win to get those kids. Those kids have winning their entire life, but – one thing I will say that intrigues me about this situation is Ohio State has four big-time receivers currently committed in the class. They already have a really talented receiver group. I don't know if J.J. likes the idea of taking a back seat early on in his career. I, I think that Miami really, really shot up in consideration for his future home uh, after that 
you know, group of 2023 receivers committed. And Joe Sia-Trader is probably going to go wherever Jeremiah Smith goes. So it's a good shot Miami gets those two. I heard that back in the end of Ju- end of June that Josiah Trader, when he went on his visit to Miami uh, with his mom, that he nearly committed. They actually wow. they put up they put up a highlight. Yeah, they they put up a highlight tape of him, like a like a a cool video that his mom and him were watching. And I and I heard that there was like a little bit of waterworks going on and stuff like that. So I think that Miami's in a really good position. And plus, having Rod Mack, who's the their former little league coach as a, as a former Miami uh, alumni. Uh, he's, he's a guy that is, he, he lives and dies by the green and orange. So he's going to be a factor in, in Miami, potentially getting those, those, that group of Miami Gardens Ravens. Yeah. I, I think uh, it, it, it's easy. It's um it's fair to say that the duo of Smith and Jojo, I mean, they're at the top, the very top of the list for, you know, looking ahead to the 2024 class, but Going back to uh, to Green Tree, I want to ask you about the offensive line. Obviously, Zion is out. He'll be back, um, you know, for the season. He'll assume the role at left tackle. Do you think week one? Do you think John Campbell starts at right tackle, or do you think they stick with Scafe, DJ Scafe at right tackle, or move Scafe to the right guard if Campbell's at right tackle? What are you thinking there? In my opinion, this isn't anything that I'm seeing or or hearing. I think that Campbell is the best fit at that right tackle spot. I think you put, you leave Scaife at guard and, and that's going to help you uh, going forward. I think Campbell's ready for a year to step up and, and be that, that blue chip uh, offensive tackle we saw out of Dr. Phillips. I just, you don't really, you can't really get a good idea until Zion is, is consistently back on the field and, and you get a true sense of what that group one is going to be. Um, just cause it, it they got to work together as a unit. It, Mario Cristobal has said it before that it's not about having the five best players on the field at one time. It's about having the five best guys that work together at one time. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, I, I Like I said, Campbell's got the pedigree, uh, and Scaife has more of a build of an offensive guard, in my opinion. And, and I think that if you put all those pieces together – where I think they should go, I think you have uh, a recipe for success uh, going forward. Okay. I mean, because, I mean, so right now, would you buy stock into John Campbell? I would. I would. Just because, you know, seeing him, he looks he looks like he got into the weight room. He looks trimmed down. He looks good. He's finally healthy. He's a big dude. He's a big dude. He's athletic for his size. I mean, he was a big-time prospect coming out of high school. I think all of us were pretty excited when he came out, it's kind of similar to Jalen Rivers in a way. And, you know, I, I think if he lives up to that billing, then we could be a, we could be good this upcoming season. Obviously, you don't want to have John Campbell's going forward. That's why we have seven, potentially seven offensive linemen commits in the 2023 class by the end of this cycle. So there's still question marks, but I, I'm, I'm more comfortable this season than I was last season. Okay. That's well, a good thing. Sorry, go yeah, ahead. I, no, you're fine. I, I want to ask you about the running backs. Um, so we've had two injuries in the last week, it seems like, with Trevante Citizen uh, going down for what sounds like an extended period of time, and then Don Chaney going down as well. Um, I guess give us a status update on the running back room. Uh, you know, you mentioned Brashard Smith. 
potentially getting some reps there. Um, how do you see that playing out this season? It's going to be fluid throughout the year. I think Brashard Smith's got an opportunity to to be that receiving back. I, I don't think that I, – I, I think Rooster profile-wise fits that mold, but even in high school he wasn't really a receiving back. He was a guy that he gave 20 to 25 carries to. Parrish, the same thing. They were both in really heavy run-based offenses where they were the focal points. Brashard Smith has had that versatility even from high school where he was a Wildcat quarterback – He's had success as a receiver on the high school level, and he's also played some running back. So I, I like him in that room. He's going to be one of the bigger guys, <laughs> actually. So it, he really he really is a better, more well-suited to be a running back than he is a receiver. And I don't really see a pathway to him being a starter in the receiver room, maybe a rotational guy at best. So I think that that's going to help uh, that run game. We saw Kevin Smith have three 500-yard running backs at Ole Miss last year, Coach Gaddis, obviously, the success with Blake Corum and Haskins. There's going to be multiple backs that have an impact this season, and I think that Brashard is going to have a, a role as that receiving guy. Chaney's not going to be out for that long. The question is, how long is he going to stay healthy? Yeah. Because we saw him potentially be that guy after the scrimmage. He, he had a hell of a first scrimmage. He's looking. Ex- he was looking explosive again. He is the biggest back out of the top three guys because Thad just isn't there yet. He was positioned to be a potential two to three down back for Miami where he was going to be probably get the bulk of the carries as Rooster and Parrish being those explosive, you know, change the pace guys going forward. But Cheney just can't, can't seem to stay on the field on a consistent basis. I don't know if he's going to be able to, have a role where we're dependent on him. I think you got to almost see him as whatever he gives you is a, is a bonus and that you got to rely really heavy on Parrish and Knighton with a role of, of uh, Brashard Smith going forward. So you wouldn't be surprised to see Brashard Smith playing running back this year, taking some snaps there. Yeah. Like 300 yards, rushing 300 yards, receiving type thing with, you know, Cheney, that, that three back rotation of Cheney, Knighton and Parrish, you know, leading, the, the group production wise. Okay. So you mentioned Thad Franklin. I, I want to put you a little bit there. Um, so if you could just expound on what you mean, he's not ready. Um, I mean, you know, he was highly rated recruit, made a lot of noise, a high school running back. Um, I just from looking at Twitter, Miami Twitter, you know, a lot of people were thinking that this was his time to step up. Uh, you seem to not think that that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't. I don't because I, I think injuries put him, pushed him back a little bit in, in regards to his development early on coming to Miami. I mean, even his senior year at Jaminad, we saw Davion Gallus really step up as a freshman because of injuries to Thad Franklin. So I don't think he's hit the weight room in the same way that the other guys have. Okay. You know, just seeing him, he seems like he's still kind of the same back that we saw at Jaminad Madonna. He never really was that explosive guy. I don't think that the expectations for him coming in were very high just because they took Cody Brown late in the process despite having that. Um, if you were to ask me who, who's a player that would potentially end up in the transfer portal as soon as next season, I think it would be Thad Franklin. I think he's one of those leading candidates. I think he is a Gus Edwards-type running back that might have to go somewhere else to really shine. Well, And, and maybe even more so like a – to a school that's that's running back room just isn't as deep 
right? Mm-hmm. Or maybe an offense that maybe fits his running style a little bit more. Absolutely. I think his running style is based on volume, which yeah. is what we saw at, at, at Chaminade. He was, he was a guy that had – he approached 250 carries in high school. It's something that you don't really see. So it, there was games where he had more attempts than they had attempts passing. So I think if he went to not saying Rutgers is going to be the spot, but I'm saying if you saw him go to like a Rutgers, kind of like Gus Edwards, right, where he could be that bell cow running back, I think you could see the best out of Thad Franklin. The problem is, is he's a tough back, but he's not Terrible. destroying you, right? He's not, he's not, he's not going to completely, you know, dominate a defense physically. And that's the problem is that once you go from high school and you're that power back that didn't exactly tear everybody up when you come to the next level it's harder to break those tackles it's not the same thing so i think he's i think it's good to have him as a depth piece as that third running back right now just because of so many injuries but if those two guys are healthy and cheney and uh citizen we're potentially talking about that as the as the fifth best running back on the roster wow that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. Well, I want to I want to switch to the defense, and I'd say that the biggest thing that people are talking about besides the receivers following this weekend is the continued progress of Nigel e. Kelly. So, is the Nigel e. Kelly hype real? Absolutely, he's up to oh. two hundred forty pounds now. The only if I think if he doesn't if he doesn't tear up his shoulder in high school, we are talking about Nigel e. as a freshman starter. Wow. He's that type of player. And and the thing is, he's only 17 years old. He's mm. still a baby. He really should be a senior in high school right now. He and, and it's great that he's able to get this sort of mango year at the University of Miami, that they don't have to rush him in. You, you need a guy, guys like Mitchell Gude and, and Jafari Harvey that are going to really take more of a role early on. But I think towards the end of the year, and I'm not trying to be blasphemous here, but I think you could see a – like a – a Greg Rousseau type impact maybe towards the end of the year as a pass rusher. Wow. You know, I do think he needs to get better in regards to, you know, playing the run. Every young defensive end has to round out their game. But I, there are some people in South Florida that talked about Nigel Lee Kelly. If he was in the 2023 class, he's maybe the best player in South Florida for the 2023 class. Wow. So do you so and and I know that Coach Steele, you know, has uh, you know, put out several, you know, up to ten different defensive packages, um, you know, personnel groupings. Would uh, do you do you see Nigelique fitting in there like earlier in the year when it comes to like pass rush pass rushing situations? Uh, yeah, they're gonna go three deep on the defensive line. We we saw Elijah Roberts make an impact in the first scrimmage. He was all over the place, and I don't think that was expected by anybody, despite him being a very good football player. But it, it's going to – like Jordan Miller's back. He's going to be a guy that we're going to see make an impact. I think you might only see one guy be extremely productive this year, at, like towards the end of the year, like totality-wise. Like I think Javari, Jafari Harvey is a 10-sack guy. I think he's a guy that brings us back to that double-digit sack number. But I think you're going to see a lot of guys have a role on the defensive line, but maybe not stand out statistically. Okay. And I think he's going to be one of those guys. Okay. Well, and I, I know we haven't we haven't heard a lot about Leonard Taylor this fall camp. What's uh what's he been like? I think he hasn't lived up to what Miami needs work ethic wise, and that's been one of the issues. We're, we've seen him run with the twos a little bit, which is shocking for a guy that comes back as the TFL leader on defense. 
he is extremely talented, six foot five, three hundred plus pounds, athletic as hell. He was he if he puts it together, he's a first round draft pick. He is probably the most talented player on the team, but you gotta buy into what Coach Cristobal is doing. Recruits say it that they have not seen an intense practice like what Mario Cristobal does anywhere else in the country, and includes the Alabamas, that includes the Georgias, that includes the LSU's of the world. It, it doesn't matter what your name is. Mario Cristobal is is holding holding his guys to a standard that we haven't seen at Miami in a long time. And if you don't live up to that standard, you're not going to be what you potentially can. Because the guys that bust their ass and do what they need to do day in and day out, like Xavier Restrepo, who might not be as talented as other guys in the receiving room, are going to get eight to ten catches a game maybe because of what they do on a day-in, day-out basis. So Coach Cristobal said that in the last Monday, actually, that – he wants to see more guys step up and, and have that work ethic. And I think one of those guys that needs to step up and be like Xavier Sherpa and maybe take a lesson from him is Leonard Taylor. Otherwise we might not see the first round draft pick potential that everybody hoped for. That hurts my soul hearing that. <laughs> I'm not saying he's not going to be an impact player this year. Don't get me wrong. No, I, he's, I get you. He's just so good that you can't take him off the field, but yeah, we want him to be that every down three technique with the ability to maybe even jump outside if we really needed him to. Right. And I just don't see that happening. He's going to be more rotated out than he is probably on the field, just because they want to use a three, a three level rotation on this defensive line. And there's a lot of talent at the defensive line this year. It's, it's, it's more well-rounded. We have more depth than we have ever had potentially ever. I mean, you add three or four transfer guys. Yep. That's how it's going to happen. And Jacob Lichtenstein is a guy that's going to bust his ass. He's happy to be home. He's This is you know potentially his last go-around. So you're going to see guys like that want to step up and, and make an impact. Elijah Roberts, another guy that's stepping up, making an impact. And if those guys are, are busting their tail every day and every you know day at Green Tree, we're going to see those guys get some playing time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I was I was not uh I was not expecting that answer, but that was a that was a good answer. I mean, there is a reason yeah. why we haven't heard much about him. One guy that we have heard a lot about is Akeem Mesidor. How impressed have you been with him? And do you think that because a lot of people are going into this year or m- might have gone into this year thinking that Leonard Taylor was the guy to you know maybe be that that star on the defensive line? Do you think that is now Mesidor Mesidor spot for the taking? I think Mesidor is going to be an impact player this season. I think him and Mitchell Agude are going to be big-time additions for us. But I think the guy that we need to talk about is Daryl Jackson. Guys mm-hmm. have guys have talked about him as a man-child, and he's in the same year as Leonard Taylor. He might not have been as big of a recruit, but he comes in with some production, and, and he is an animal. He, In my opinion, is D-tackle one right now. He's going to be that guy right now that you might not be able to take off the field. He is explosive. He's also about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, 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 300 pounds. So he's got the same type of build as Leonard Taylor. I I have big expectations for Daryl Jackson this season. And if Leonard Taylor figures it out, you got potentially two day one, day two draft picks at defensive tackle going forward. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so hurts your soul a little bit to hear about Leonard Taylor, but it makes up for it that Daryl Jackson is stepping up. So. Yeah. Okay. And you um, give it, then you take it away. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to pick today, you know, we're playing Bethune. Let's just say tomorrow. 
Who starts at linebacker? Oh, you go Caleb Johnson and Keontra Smith. Keontra Smith. Yeah, Keontra Smith was actually running with the once today um, in half field drills. So take that for what it is. It's a half field drill. It's not, you know, the team. We don't get to see, you know, team. Mm -hmm. We don't get to see group. Um, So, you know, that was just kind of a glimpse of what we saw as the first team, uh, you know, unit out there. But Keontra put a lot of weight on this year. He's still going to be one of the more athletic guys in the linebacker room. I mean, he was being recruited as a, as a safety, uh, you know, coming into college. So I like his ability to be that second linebacker. Obviously there's going to be a role for James Williams as an overhang player. Um, Gilbert Frierson is going to play a little bit role as an overhang player in in a few different ways. So I, I like Caleb Johnson just because he brings production. Mario Cristobal talked about he was a guy that they kind of zeroed in on when he answered, entered the transfer portal, his familiarity with him in the Pac-12. I think his ability to play both linebacker spots is going to be important too. And physically, he just fits the mold better than all our other linebackers. Corey Flagg, I don't really want to see in on anything other than special teams. That's just me. Wesley Besaint. You're not, you're not alone in that. Not alone, but I would have loved to see Wesley Besaint potentially – take one of those spots but a shoulder injury early on kind of hurt that development i think we could see him also be one of those freshmen that later in the year picks up some more momentum um so i want to ask you specifically about chase smith um you know a lot of people are uh, enamored with his frame and his athleticism you know just the ceiling there what have you seen from chase smith this camp you see athletic ability It's just, I think it's an adjustment for him. I mean, the kid was a receiver in high school. That was really his main position. He had over 700 yards and double-digit touchdowns his senior year. But I think next year will probably be Chase Smith's year better than this year. You know, I I just don't see him – I don't see him being a guy over Wesley. I don't see him being a guy over Keontra. Keontra is one of those Xavier Restrepo type players. He's going to do everything right. He's going to bust his ass in the weight room, bust his ass on the field. He is going to hit you. He's going to hit you. Might you know, despite being 5'10", 5'11", 210, 215 pounds, he's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. That was what he was known for in high school. He actually played linebacker in high school at Shamanah Madonna. So it, he's going to be playing a much similar role to in that like a four-two-five type scheme as he did in high school. I think he's going to fit in there. But Chase Smith, I just think it's going to be an adjustment period. I think he's going to get valuable experience this year. I think Coach Steele is one of the best developers of linebacker talent in the country if you look at his if you look at his his resume back to his time at fsu it's first and second round draft picks on a consistent basis so he's one of those guys that i think has the highest nfl potential of the group just because he's 6'2 athletic long he's got the ability to be that wrap and roll tackling type guy who can play sideline to sideline I just don't know if this year he's ready to take that role as a starting linebacker. Well, that that makes me really happy to hear about Keontra because I feel like that's a name that was kind of forgotten about this offseason. Because, um, you know, a, a lot of, just like Jordan said, a lot of people are enamored with Chase Smith's skill set. You know, you got Caleb Johnson coming back. I've always been a Keontra fan. You know, he's a Broward kid, so that automatically makes me, me like him even more. But I love to hear that. My last question for you, Frank which position group is a bigger question mark heading into the year? Is it linebackers or corners? Well, I don't think corners is a question mark at all, actually. I, 
I think they have a problem of riches in a way at really? corner this year. Yeah, I think Daryl Porter was one of the biggest additions of the offseason. I think his familiarity with Coach Adai, his skill set as a as a former key defensive back at American Heritage, and his his growth physically. I mean, he came in coming came into college like 5'8", 160 pounds, one hundred fifty five pounds. He's five. He's a legit 5'10", 185 pounds now. You mix that in with DJ Ivy, who is killing it this game. I've heard I've heard good things about Ivy. People don't want to listen to me because they're so done with him. But I've heard good things about my yeah. boy DJ Ivy. He is killing it. He is killing it, and and he's the most prototypical corner we have on the roster. Six one, hundred ninety five pounds, can turn and burn. The only thing he has to do is turn his head around, and and if he learns to do that, which I think Coach Adai coaching. If, if you see Coach Adai practice, right, he is. He is on top of things. He is coaching. He is teaching. That is the one thing I will say about this new staff, that it's it's high reps, right, and it's high intensity, but you see the attention to details with these coaches. You see these guys getting in these guys' ass, right? Like Coach Gaddis pulls no punches with the receiver room. Coach Adai pulls no punches with the DB room. And, and DJ Ivey is one of those guys who's long, athletic, and if he's coached up the right way, he could be special this year. This could be his – his last go round in in a special you know send off kind of way as a Miami Hurricane. I think that the scheme really hurt the defensive backs prior. I think the the void zone scheme of Manny Diaz put a lot of our defensive backs in no win situations, especially when you're going against spread schemes where it's athletes everywhere on the field. But Corey Couch has been raved about um, as a guy who is the best covered corner on the roster and. They say that potentially the best player on the field needs to be that nickel spot, and he's kind of been slotted into that nickel spot. Tyreek Stevenson, we know what he can do. I mean, from his time at Georgia as a starter, as a freshman, to what he did last year is probably our best cornerback on the roster. I like what we have at corner. And then if you look at the young depth that we have, the future is pretty bright as well. So I I think linebacker is suspect, but offensive line scares me the most, actually. And I think – that's why we're going so hard after the offensive line this year. When Mario says that there was a a a crazy gap in talent, I think he was more so referring to the offensive line. Also linebackers, but really offensive line. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty apparent by the way they've recruited offensive line. Yeah, like Ja'Kai Clark is a really good player, but I'm really excited about the opportunity to have your centers of the future be Connor Lou and Antonio Tripp, right? And and Jalen Rivers is going to be a guy going forward. But outside of Jalen Rivers, like Zion is going to be a first-round draft pick, but it took some time for us to get to Zion being a first-round draft pick. There was some rough patches in that in, in that, that, freshman year, that His freshman season, if you would have told me he's a, you know, you know, a potential first-rounder, I, I would have said you're high. Yeah, it's like, you know, and, and I still think we need to see it from Zion on a consistent basis this year. I think he was good last year, but let's see what he does this year, right? He is the focal point of the offensive line. We talked about John Campbell. We don't really know what he's going to be this year. Scape has been solid. He's not – I don't think he starts on any team that's contending for a national championship on an unusual basis, right? And it's been – you know, the depth is really not there. I mean, you got guys that – UNLV really, you know, uh, uh, that are at Miami, and that's who we're relying on as depth guys. And 
like Michael McLaughlin, like loved him at Douglas. I would have really loved him at Tulane. You know, it's like, <laughs> and also it's like w- w- the talent just isn't there depth wise on at on the offensive line for me. I think we have more guys at linebacker. Caleb Johnson really helps that linebacker room, in my opinion. Huh. Interesting. So many thoughts. That's, that's interesting. Well, yeah, I know. Same. We're we're gonna have. To, and my uh, X factor, my X factor that. is James. Yeah, my X factor is James Williams playing more of an in the box role this season. So I add him to that linebacker room as well. Because when you see the three safeties okay. in the field, it's not going to be like your typical three high safety situation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be James Williams playing a role like he did at American Heritage, where he's kind of free flowing as that overhang defender, putting his hands on slot receivers. You know, coming up and playing the run. He got a sack in the first scrimmage. There's a reason for that. He's playing closer well, to the line of scrimmage. That style of play was what made him such a, you know, a great player at, Amer- at American Heritage. Like, he's yeah. not your typical, you know, prototypical safety. But that's what makes him, you know, the, the crazy talent that he is. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I don't think putting James Williams consistently in two high situations is utilizing his talent to the best of his ability. I'm not saying he's a linebacker, right? I'm not saying he's a defensive end like some people want him to be, but I think that I think that making him a strong safety type player uh, who has the versatility to help over the top at times puts him in the best position to succeed. So maybe like an Isaiah Simmons type player with less linebacker, with less like like Isaiah Simmons played a little bit inside linebacker. I think Jabril Peppers-esque, you know, a bigger Jabril Peppers. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers played a little bit of linebacker in a way, but also was in two high settings. And yeah. I think if you really go back and look at James Williams last year, he made some big plays, but he also made some dumb plays, right? And he also hurt he us did. in coverage at time, right? Yeah. Avante Williams and Cam Kitchens are overall the better covered safeties on the roster. They are, they are primed to be ball hawks over the top of this defense and really help the corner room get to the level that they possibly can because you got length on the outside and Stevenson and Ivy if if those are the two guys, right? And then you got to Corey Couches, that feisty nickel. If you have Avante Williams and Cam Kinchins over the top in two high settings, they can roam half field maybe better than anybody in the country. So I, I love the idea of having James getting closer to the box as that strong safety type player in like a four two five. Cool. Perfect. Well I got one last question for you, um, and then before we send you off, I want you to plug whatever you have to plug. Um, so I know we kind of glossed over him because we're counting him as a sure thing, um, but the quarterback, Tyler Van Dyke, um, you know, he's getting some hype. You see some mock drafts, have him, you know, as the third, fourth quarterback going off the board, usually in the first round. What does he look like this camp? Like, I, you know, he had an amazing freshman year. We're all kind of hoping for the best. What are you seeing? I mean, he looks good. It's just a lot of drop balls by the receivers. I think that he has stepped up the level of play as a leader. And, you know, I, I, you can't see those traits, but when, they, when everybody on the team talks about him, James Williams called him a warrior today. He, he just makes everybody around him better, and that's one of the elite traits that great quarterbacks have, and I think he has that. I don't think that he wins a Heisman this year. That's I don't think that's realistic just because I don't think he has the running ability to do that. We don't really typically see like – even Joe Burrow was running the ball a little bit, right? Like there was some, some you know, mobility 
uh, that was there. And I just don't see Tyler Van Dyke with that. I also don't see him being like uh, Brad Kaya, which I know you guys love Brad Kaya. I'm a Brad <laughs> yeah. Kaya guy too. He's a friend yeah. of your show. I'm not trying to disrespect, but you know, there, there was some of that same hype going into Brad Kaya's final year. And I think that he's in a better position to live up to that hype than Kaya was. I think he's got a strong uh, running back room despite the injuries. I like Rooster. I like Parrish. I like the idea of putting Burchard back there as an explosive change of pace guy. I think Xavier Restrepo is that go-to guy that he's going to rely on a lot, i.e. Braxton Berrios, who we know Marsh is uh, best friends with. Um, you know, but I think I think 3,600 to 3,800 yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and double-digit wins um, is the expectation for Van Dyke, and I think that's extremely reasonable. I think that the big – Fork in the road for Van Dyke this season is going to be that third game. It's going to be that Texas A&M game. If we see him, even in a loss, throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns with just one interception, I think that we are we have a first-round draft pick on our hands. Now, if he goes out there and struggles to complete 50% of his pass and, and he's 200 yards and, and a touchdown to two interceptions, I think we got to question some things, right, despite what everybody does around him because we know great quarterbacks – elevate the talent around him so he's yeah. gonna have to do that in that game because the offensive line is gonna be hurting right it when you got shamar stewart as a backup at texas a&m rushing the quarterback right where you're gonna have to make some things happen right because there's Ooh. talent on that defensive line there's talent on that defense at texas a&m um so we'll see we'll see i i, I fully expect him to have a really good game against texas a&m but for me that's the fork in the road on if he's a first round draft pick or not cool perfect Awesome. That was awesome. That was awesome, Frank. Thank you so much for uh, for yeah. coming on. And yeah, right before you leave, uh, tell Canes fans where you can where they can check out your stuff. Well, follow us on Rivals. Become a subscriber. CanesCounty.com, Miami.Rivals.com. We really do appreciate it. Sorry about. <laughs> You're good. Your audio cut out. Sorry about that, guys. But uh. And then, uh, and then follow, and then follow the Crib South Florida on Twitter and Instagram. We put up, put out a, a, a ton of stuff in regards to South Florida high school football content, um, and obviously a lot of Canes content now. So um, keep a lookout for that. Awesome, sweet. All right, Frank, thanks, man. We will definitely have you on uh, during the season, and thank you for coming on, man. Thank you guys for having me, and you know, keep doing what you guys do. You guys have built up an incredible following, obviously. I've known Marsh uh, from, you know, an outside perspective for a few years now, and you guys do a really good job, you and Jordan. Thanks, man. We, we appreciate it and uh, love loved what you uh, brought to uh, this episode, man. So thank, mm-hmm. thank you a ton. Uh, tons of good nuggets. Like, I, I, I just want to keep talking to you, so, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll Hopefully have you... soon. Hopefully soon. Yeah, we'll have you back on in no time, but uh, – Thanks, man, and and good luck over there at Rivals at CanesCounty.com. Uh, you know, we hope for the best. So, thanks, guys. Talk to you guys soon. Yep. Bye, your brother. Right. Okay, that was awesome. That was great. That was incredible. Um, I want I want to follow up and talk more about what Frank had to say, but first we got to pay some bills real quick. Let's um, get rich. Yeah, we got. <laughs> that's right this podcast getting rich mm-hmm. um okay let's see our friends at DraftKings. thanks DraftKings. we love you 
Um, the next generation of fantasy sports is here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now. Sign up with promo code TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in to get your first card free. Plus, play for millions in prizes all football season while building the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers Football. That's promo code TPPN. Build, play, win. Only at DraftKings. Contest entries dependent on type and number of NFTs held. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. All my degenerates out there. That's the right. Football season's here. Yep. Be betting. I, I sure hope that you bet too. Yeah. <laughs> I, Dude, sure I, hope that you, I hope that you choose to gamble today. I'm not. I'm not a big uh, college football better. Um. But, dude, I, I reach degeneracy levels when it comes to the NFL, man. Like, yeah. I, the older I get, the more I think I like the NFL as a whole. I think the Canes will always be my number one football team no matter what. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dude, there is something about I, – I have a group of friends and, uh, you know, probably a few weeks of season we'll go hang out at Buffalo Wild Wings and watch all of the early games and just – yeah, dude. I am excited for that. And uh, you I, kind know. Of, uh, I kind of dread the NFL season just because being a Cowboys fan, I, I, I know what to expect. Um, <laughs> yeah. In that instance, I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, screw the NFL. Yeah. But just the fact that, like, there are few greater joys in life and pleasures of life than sitting on your couch on a Sunday yep. watching Red Zone – and not moving for eight hours unless oh, you're yeah. going to the door to get your DoorDash. Yep. I swear I turn into the biggest lazy piece of shit during the weekends, bro. <laughs> yes, I dude. love it. Dude. Like all y'all, all y'all younger folk, you guys can go out. You can go out to the clubs, to the bars. You can have a life. My life is sitting on my couch for 48 straight hours doing yeah. nothing but watching football. And I hope I never change. Dude, I I love weekends in fall. I mean, we've talked about it. Flannels and skinny jeans, that is my mm-hmm. uniform of choice. Um dude, I have I would I would put my chili. I have a chili recipe that I would put toe to toe with anybody on earth, honestly. And uh dude, better I make... than better than uh better than Kevin Malone's in the office. <laughs> okay, there I might have a challenge there. <laughs> Kevin's famous chili. Um, oh, that poor yes. bastard. But dude, I I am already excited. You know, my wife's family is from New Mexico, so we get the really good like hatch red chili powder. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so I put tons of that spicy, smoky, all the good stuff. But anyway, oh, and I actually put Guinness in it too. Ooh. So yeah, it gives it some depth. But uh yeah, man, I am so excited to just chill on my couch, watch NFL games all day, eat some chili, you know. And the weather's brisk. Yes, and the oh. dude, the fall colors in Utah are just so beautiful. Like everyone brags about the the Miami weather, and rightfully so. You know, if you if you enjoy sweating twenty four seven, you know that's your thing. Yeah, but there, you can take your South Beach, you can take your you know your warm stuff, mm-hmm. whatever. 
give me a 45 degree day in mid-October in Salt Lake City any day of the week. Yeah, man. I, I would put Salt Lake City's October and November up against pretty much any weather around the country, and I'd, I'd feel good about it. It's just there's something special. There's just something very special about it. And I haven't had a real fall since I moved two years ago, so I'm very yeah. excited about this. Um, I actually just got my tickets to the Utah-USC game in mid-October, nice. so I'm very excited about that. Cool, man. But anywho, going back to Frank's interview, that was awesome. Yes. I I cannot wait to get Frank back on the episode. He killed it, or back on the podcast like that. Um, loved what he had to say. I loved how uh, Frank he was, <laughs> you know, yes, when it came to... No, that, no, that is very... Because yeah. you and I are Frank guys. We yeah. like to be Frank about this team. And, uh, you know, no sometimes... does it better than Frank. Sometimes it's easy... Um, <laughs> You know, especially for media guys to to get caught up in um, just all the positivity, but yeah. I appreciate like the the honesty and yes, you know what he had to say about Leonard Taylor. You know that was that was very eye opening. Not, not and, and 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 we don't mean that to be like it to be like disrespectful to Leonard Taylor or anything. I yeah. think he has. I, I've said it for you know since he came here. I think he is the most like talented player on this roster. Yeah. It's just getting to matching that, you know, natural talent to the coaching. Yeah, and I don't think anyone should take what Frank said out of context in the sense that, you know, he was up front. He's like, he he acknowledged that he's the most talented player on the roster. It was just that, like, you know, he he hasn't really caught up to the way that Mario does things. And uh, that is very eye-opening, you know? Yeah. I mean, I I think that – you know, being a five-star recruit, especially in South Florida, and then going right into, uh, you know, a Manny Diaz-type team, you know, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of differences going from that to a Mario Cristobal. Yeah. It's going to be weird to be competing for conference championships. Well, and, and, and you know what? This is – I, I you got to be thinking that, you know, because I've, I've read reports how players said that, camp has been hell like yeah. i mean I, we've all seen the picture of all of them passed out on the floor of the locker room i think after the scrimmage or something but th- i mean that's you it just shows you how candy ass our our program <laughs> has been dude yeah oh like, yeah i dude it's just i don't know i i am so excited to hear you know, that, that, that Mario is, is giving us intensity. If you'll let me be a geek for a moment, I tweeted this a few days ago. I was watching a YouTube video, um, about, you know, I'm a, I'm a big history geek. I love reading, studying about, you know, ancient Rome, the Roman empire. And, uh, so someone quoted an ancient Roman historian named Josephus talking about the professional Roman military, right? The Roman military at their peak was like the greatest war machine of the ancient world. Um, and they were professional fighters, not just farmers and stuff. So anyways, this is what Josephus said about the professional Roman soldiers. He said, it would not be wrong to call their drills bloodless battles and their battles bloody drills. 
So he's saying the only difference between them practicing and them actually fighting wars was shedding blood. You know, is essentially like they practiced with the same intensity that they were fighting for their lives. Uh, you know, the only difference is they weren't stabbing each other. So, dude, I, like I heard that, and being the football and history nerd that I am, like I thought about the Canes, man. I'm like, that is like nothing has changed, <laughs> you know, in in the sense that if you want to build an absolutely unstoppable force. Like you need to practice with intensity, man. And well, and no, I I, I saw that the fours up uh, Twitter account retweeted that, and I I love that quote. And yeah. that's one of the the things that we hear most from like former players saying how games were easy on Saturdays because they were easy, like pre- like practices were harder than Saturdays. Yep. Like yeah. And then you read reports, you know, during the Manny Diaz era that players were late to practice, things like that, you know, not staying after. And I'm like, well, no shit. No, re- no, duh, we're going seven and five and six and seven. Yeah. Well, and, you know, like you can you can look at some of the horrible stuff from 2019. <sighs> you know, I I know Manny was a first time coach. May or may not have been even qualified to become a coach at that point especially for a power five program that was, you know, high expectations, but I don't know how you kind of come back from, from what happened in 2019, you know, Mm -hmm. with uh, the QB situation, there was rumors about the QB rooms having drug issues. There was rumors about our starting QB out partying the night before the FIU game. You know, it's like just the lack of discipline, the lack of intensity, the lack of focus seemed to be program wide. And it's like how, yeah. How do you come back from that? You know, if, if you're a, a, even if you're a different player on the team, like not even the starting quarterback from that year, and you see that happen, like you know that he was out partying the night before, and you know that you just lost to FIU. Like, what are you doing after that? You know, you're just thinking like, oh, okay, I guess there's there's not really any expectations here. <sighs> We don't even have to beat FIU. We don't, you know, like the preparation is is not mandatory <laughs> and neither is the performance. Yeah, we're just here chilling at the crib. Yeah, we're just slapping a legendary logo on the side of our helmet and, you know, reaping all the uh, benefits on social media, posting our highlights. You just took me to a dark place. I'm sorry. We're happy, though. We have Mario. Yes, thank God. Yeah. Oh, thank God. I do. I, I talk. Uh, I, I say on Twitter all the time and, and, you know, during JP and I spaces like I was at a point last year where I was done. Yeah, I, I, I was done. Like, I'm yeah. like, you know, hire whoever like they're probably just going to keep they're going to extend Manny. Yeah. This team can go to hell. Yeah. And by the grace of God, everything transpired this offseason. And, but I also, I, I also, I think we talked about it on last episode or one of our, or, you know, previous episodes that there are a lot of, uh, you know, prediction talks lately. You know, I, yeah. I swear like our half our fan base on Twitter talks about the A&M game every single day. I'm like, all right, yeah. come on. Like we have 11 more, like we have 11 other games, you know, this season. Yeah. I just don't want people to freak out if year one doesn't match your expectations yeah 
Because Mostly, year, year one of Coach Cristobal is a lot different from year one of Manny Diaz. Yeah. You know, Manny Diaz's year one, I, I mean, you and I started recording right after that. There wasn't a lot of hope and everything yeah. like that. I think that the way that Coach Cristobal is set in foundations that is going to make this a multi-year thing like this isn't a, a yes. all right if we go seven and five this year then coach Chris Ball isn't the guy I don't believe I wouldn't believe that at all but well, I, I just I just want to remind fans of that yeah I think we talked about that like three episodes ago when we were saying that like everything that has been put into place this offseason is more of a five-year plan than a one-year plan and and so we do need to be cognizant of that if things don't go the way that people are expecting from the hype, right? Doing the new facilities, pumping in all the money, getting the best coaches, like that isn't a Band-Aid. That is that is a like really great foundation, um, you know? And foundations come before you build the nice house, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's a process. Um, I mean, we got Mario for what, 10 years? Didn't we, was it eight years or 10 years? Uh, I think it's eight. So we literally can't afford to fire him anyways. So I'd recommend even if you're disappointed this year, like just take a Xanax and chill, man, because there is no way that we fire Mario before like year six, you know? So just let it play out. Well, and I think, and, and another point that, that uh, Frank highlighted is that these aren't, his players and no disrespect to the players on the, on the roster, but Frank said the best when he was talking about the offensive line. Um, I mean, why do you think coach Cristobal has about five, six guys committed on the, on the O on the offensive line right now? I mean, he is, he is dealing what he has been dealt. Um, You know, he's dealing with it. And I mean, we see it with the defensive line. We added three guys from the transfer portal. We added a linebacker. We added a cornerback. Um, You know, we added a receiver running back. We, like he is going to make it work. I'm I'm so convinced. Um, but I'm more convinced and bought into the the process. Agreed. And I know Miami fans hate that word for some reason and hate yeah. the you know trust the process phrase. Maybe it's because we hate Philly and yeah. you know we just think about them. But you know it's a thing that Coach Saban preaches over and over yeah. again. And Miami fans for some reason think it's corny as shit. Call me corner, Cor- corny. Call me corner, but call me corny, man. Like I, this is a process. Like Mark coach Cristobal is taking over a program, his program that has been mediocre and like run into the ground for the last 15 years. A turnaround in a situation like that is not going to happen like that. Yeah. And I just want to remind people, you know, if, if there's anyone out there listening, being like, oh, these guys are, are shilling, you know, we're, we're, we're being bootlickers or whatever. Um, just remember that, that we were the opposite way during the last coaching staff. We weren't buying into the process because we thought the process was bunk, right? Mm-hmm. We thought the process was stupid and transparent and phony, right? But it's different this time. Like, you know, and and maybe things happen where we change our opinions, but like the infrastructure is being laid properly here, right? 
we're the the money is here. We're not having to pull out WWE nights to try to drum up. You know, we're not doing party yachts and stuff like that. This like is that real. is that is all spark or you know all uh, what what is it? It's all it's all flash and no substance, right? Yeah, we aren't doing a lot of flash right now, but we are doing a lot of substance. We are investing in the program. We are investing in the facilities. We are investing in the coaching staff. Those are the things that actually lead to success. Like social media hype does literally nothing. It's fake. It's fake. And Manny Manny was a genius at generating hype. But it was all fake. It was a mirage, right? It was as real as... Yeah, it it was as real as like... Your friend's Facebook post where he's, you know, I'm 22 and just bought my first house. What are you doing? You know, it's it's just as fake as that crap, right? So, like, but what Man, we're he's doing. the guy that told you he made millions off crypto. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, no, I mean, Coach Cristobal says it best when he says the U is back to work, you know. Yeah. It's, a, this, it's about work. It's not about yes. the other shit, dude. Like, yep. it's about work. And you're you don't get anything, especially in the game of football, without work, dude. Like the the former players, they take so much pride in the in in not so much the obviously they take pride in the winning, but they take pride in the work that was put in. Yep. With those teams. And so it's, it's like literally one of the first things they'll talk about. When they yeah. talk about their time at Miami, it always comes back to practice. You know, man, practice was so intense. You talk, you listen to Michael Irvin. He always brings up the story of, you know, running sprints on the beach in combat boots. Like he always talks about it. He's psycho. Yeah. And, but there's a reason why they always talk about it. It's because they know that that's what made them great. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, and I think we're getting back to that, man. Yeah. I think we're getting back to that. Um, what else did uh, Frank say that you liked? Is there anything else? Um, I, I'm trying to think. I was very surprised to hear about DJ Ivy. Um, good for him, you know. Like I, I know we can be critical of of players sometimes, and but that's not. It's not that we want anyone to do bad, right? We are what we do at Fours Up is is analysis, right? <laughs> so we call you can't it our just. Lit. Yeah, you can't watch a game where someone plays like crap and then just be like, well, you know, like they're they're a good guy. They tried their best, right? Like we analyze. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, DJ Ivy has had a lot of ups and downs in his career. If he has a breakout season and is like getting ready to, you know, he's is a day two draft pick, I will cheer so hard for him. You know, I, I am so happy to hear that he's doing good. I want all of our players to do good, you know, but – I mean, it kind of is what it is. And I've always been a fan. I mean, I've always been a fan of Ivy, man. Like, dating back to 2019, like, I was the biggest DJ Ivy hype man at the end of the year when he started turning it back on. And, yep. yeah, he's had ups and downs. But, you know, with Coach Adai, you know, who knows? Who the yeah. hell knows? I mean, and then also another player that I was so happy Frank brought up is Keontra Smith. I yeah. feel like we heard a lot about him maybe last year because he was just, yeah. you know, settling more into the linebacker role. Yeah. And I feel like after the season ended, we ju- we just didn't hear much about Keontra yeah. Smith. Like even, even myself, like 
today, um, you know, on on Twitter, uh, you know, someone asked like, who do you think starts at linebacker? And I and it, it's you know, my answer has been the same for you know a few months now. I think I thought it was going to be Caleb Johnson and Chase Smith. If it's Keontra Smith, I will be I would be happy as hell. Awesome, yeah. But yeah, the offensive line. So, I I thought he would have been a little more chipper. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, you know, I, I know I've said it multiple times over the last few months, but I've given the previous coaching staff a lot of credit because I, I referred to the cupboard as being full. Um, but, you know, I'm not at practice. Like, I'm not watching it. So certainly open-minded to, you know, guy, like guys like Frank and, you know, saying that that's not the case. Um, like, I, I will take their word for it. And, you know, he brought up a good point that, like, Mario's been hinting that way as well. So I was kind of surprised to hear that. I was expecting some good things from the line, at least relatively speaking. Um, But, you know, I guess that's something that we're going to have to watch and and keep our eye on. Also, what he said about Thad. Yeah, very, very curious. Very, very curious. Um, yeah. not saying that he's right, not saying that he's wrong. I'm just saying that it's curious. Yeah, it's super interesting. Um, but you know, that's inevitably what happens, right? Especially when you bring in a guy like Mario who has that intensity, who has that successful track record. Like, there's gonna be dudes that just fall through the cracks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, even if like, they need to just, just get a fresh start. Them. Or don't push themselves to, you know, rise to the level that the new coach is bringing. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. You know, maybe some of these guys will just need a fresh start. You know, like any any guys that that need to transfer because they're not fitting in with the new work ethic or new intensity, perhaps all they need is a like a fresh start somewhere else. But um, it's going to happen, and it'll be interesting to see the guys that it happens to. I really hope that, that Leonard Taylor can figure out what he's doing because man, he is so talented. We need him, man. We, we need, we need him we to need become, Leonard Taylor. We need, we, we need him to become who he can become. Yeah. It would be huge for the program just to hang our hat on. Like we're back to playing in orange bowls. We're back to putting top five picks in the draft, you know, yeah. like Miami needs that. Yeah, and I think more than any player on the roster, LT has that top ten poten- potential. Oh, for sure, I I a hundred percent think so. I I think if you're you know talking who's the most likely to go top five or top ten on the roster, it's there's only three names that jump out to me immediately. I'd be Leonard Taylor, Tyler Van Dyke, and James Williams, and you know it's like. I think it's a little easier for QBs anyways, right? Because you can be the fourth best QB and still go top 10. Whereas like, if you're the fourth best defensive tackle, you're not going top 10. Mm-hmm. It's just how it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, if you're the first best defensive tackle, you may go late first round. Yeah. True. But I, I think his skill set is, is so good, man. And I think he has so much potential and I think he flashed that last year, but um, damn it. I feel like I had something else to say. Oh, and the receivers. I'm not. I I don't know, man. I I don't know about the receivers. I I obviously we're we're just gonna have to wait and see. You know, once the games are played, I think the first two games are very very critical against Bethune and Southern yeah. Miss. Yeah. Get, for, get, put Romello Brinson in there. 
Yeah. For the love of God, please just put him in there. Give him the targets, dude. Like, that's what I'm saying. I feel like that's one of the reasons why Rambo, you know, made it so big last year. Obviously, I think better quarterbacks make – good quarterbacks make other players better. And I think that's what we saw last year with Tyler, um, with Rambo and uh, Mike Harley. I think that same thing could happen this year with Romello Brinson. And I – I think he made a good point about Keyshawn Smith. I think there's a lot of pressure on him to be that wide receiver one. But even if he doesn't have wide receiver one numbers, but he go he has 500 plus yards, that's a win in my opinion. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Granted, like that would have to you know see how the other you know receivers are doing. You know, see uh, what Restrepo does. But I don't. I I see Keyshawn, and I don't see like a Charleston Rambo or an Amon Richards or, you know, like a, I don't even know, like an Andre Johnson that, I mean, I don't see yeah. that with anyone, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's it's going to be interesting to watch how it unfolds. Um, it would really just be horrible to have, <laughs> you know, so many like, there is so many things going right for us this season. Mm-hmm. I would really hate for something like the offensive line or the receiver room to kind of derail us and like, you know, give us an extra loss or two that we shouldn't have had and miss out on the ACC championship game. Um, you know, we have, we have the premier quarterback. We have, you know, the defensive line, we have the the defensive backs, um, so much going well for us this year, man. Yeah. I just, I would really hate to see one position group kind of, you know, give us a loss or two that we don't need. It's a process, man. It's a process. That's why. Yeah, yeah. So this is probably our last podcast before the Bethune Cookman game. So should we, I mean, we're at an hour and 10 minutes already. But. Well, we'll probably, I mean, we'll probably do one next week sometime, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you're you're right. I thought we were playing this Saturday. My bad. <laughs> I wish. But I'm no, so yeah. excited for football. I just forgot a time. We'll uh, w- yeah, we'll have one more. Ep- we'll have uh, another episode before the Bethune game. Yeah, it's good getting back in this routine. But yeah, I mean, it's it's here, man. I yeah. and it's uh, now I gotta wait ten games or ten days before we play. Yeah. I was like so convinced that we were playing this weekend. And even then, it's shame on me. Yeah, I know. But I mean, Bethune or not, like I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for Miami, Miami football. I, I, I really hope Hard Rock Stadium. I hope Canes fans show out week yeah. one, um, because this team deserves it. Honestly, yep. I know that if Jordan and I were in South Florida, we'd be there. Yeah, why not? We'll be but there yeah, uh, we'll November fifth. November fifth, we'll be there, baby. I'm almost just excited for just excited for November fourth. Yeah. The 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 pregame party. The pregame. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I'll tr- we'll I'll try and. Yeah, I won't let you get too rowdy. <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, um, after, after three or four Mountain Dews, you'll have to cut me off. <laughs> Jordan, I think you have a problem. <laughs> oh, I do. <laughs> I do have a problem. Um. Yeah. Anything else? No, sir. Just go Canes.
All right. Yeah. Thanks to Frank. Go sh- check out uh, AB and about the fans and we'll talk to you guys next time. Love you guys. Go Canes. Yeah. Go Canes.